Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Good morning and welcome to another episode of CCT Live, the Cape Cod Times Live Facebook news broadcast every Thursday at 9 a.m. I'm news editor Patrick Cassidy and I'm here with reporter Kristen Young again. Uh, welcome, Kristen. Happy winter, I suppose. It's uh, getting a little Feels chilly. Like it. Yeah. Kristen covers the towns of Dennis and Yarmouth for the paper and has been plenty busy this week uh, with stories about the regional school district shared by the two towns. We'll talk about that when we get to the big story for the week. We'll also talk about another of your stories uh, this week about a housing complex in Dennis that uh, recently got the go-ahead, but uh, there was some contention there. A march on Washington, D.C. by members of the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe and a proposed expansion of business districts in the town of Barnstable. Uh, after diving into the perennial DY debate, we'll also take a look ahead at a story by uh, reporter Marianne Bragg coming up about the state of Wellfleet uh, shellfishing. You can look back at all our past episodes, uh, capecottimes.com slash Live, and check us out on all our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, this housing project is in Dennis, and it's a 24-unit affordable slash market rate housing uh, project. Um, it, it, it was approved, or part of it was approved, but there was some contention uh, by neighbors, uh, as is often the case. What, what, what were their concerns, Kristen? Well, so the project is actually seeking a special permit from the planning board um, under a Dennis Affordable Housing zoning bylaw that would allow an increase in density there but still give the town control over some things. But in order to get that special that special permit approval, they first had to go to the Board of Health and request that the Board of Health find that the wastewater system for the project meets state and um, local water quality guidelines. And the Board of Health gave them that approval um, last week. They uh, There was concern, though, that because of the location of the project, which is nearby Fallen's Pond, which is a part of the Bass River watershed, um, that nitrogen loading by this wastewater system could contribute to a problem of, of already too much nitrogen in Fallen's Pond. Um, a, an attorney for neighbors who, who live near the project uh, said at the meeting that the decision by the Board of Health would really sort of answer the question about whether officials are serious about nitrogen in their estuaries. And um, some of the board members sort of responded, well, we're kind of in a situation here where we've got a four housing on one hand and the environment on the other hand and we have to make a decision um, one of the things that they they said was that if they don't approve this project that there's a likelihood that it will come back under a state statute for affordable housing called chapter 40b and if it were to do so it would come back and the town would lose any control any say that they have and the density could be even higher um, as it stands right now the project is about double what the town's typical density is um, they have allotted about 3,988 square feet per bedroom. Typically, that's a maximum of um, one bedroom per 10,000 square feet. So, it's, so it's you end up with more bedrooms uh, on the properties, basically, yes. under this uh, higher density. Yeah. And, and this was a really interesting story, uh, looking back on it this morning, just preparing for this, because as you said, it has all these things that we talk about here, we, we write stories about in the paper, um, affordable housing, 
wastewater management. Chapter 40B comes up all the time. Neighbors who are worried about a, a, a new project in their neighborhood. Um, and it actually crosses over into one of the other stories you did recently about the, the bridge going over uh, the Bass River, or the Route 6 bridges going over the Bass River, which are in a, a state of disrepair, according to town officials, and need to be replaced. But one of the things they were looking at was potentially widening that span and therefore allowing more flushing. Fallen's Pond, for people who don't know exactly where it is, is up on that northern side mm-hmm. of, of those bridges. And as uh, pointed out in this article, is an area that, that already exceeds the total amount of nitrogen that should be there for, for good water quality. Yeah, it's about 77% higher, actually, um, in terms of the daily nitrogen load than what is considered the threshold for healthy water quality. And that's according to a state report. Um, so it, it really is kind of this tug back and forth between affordable housing and the environment that, that they were considering here. Um, the one thing to note, though, is that the wastewater system proposed for the site is actually high, considered to be high-tech, and it has lower um, nitrogen in its effluent than a, a typical septic system septic under system. Title V. Um, but, you know, the question of whether or not this, this area is too environmentally sensitive to, to handle this additional nitrogen load was one that they, they talked about. And, and with larger projects, they're moving away from kind of traditional Title V because they say it doesn't obviously take out uh, nitrogen, at least at the level that you need it to be taken out of. So this is better, but it's not quite at the level that that they would say is needed for an area like this, according to people who are concerned about this. And again, going back to that affordable housing, you point out in the story that as of 2016, 4.4% of the housing units in Dennis met the state guidelines for affordability. You got to get to that 10% goal in order to avoid the possibility of those 40B projects. So that's something that towns are always striving for uh, with some difficulty in most yeah. cases. And I think it's also important to note that um, it is a 24-unit complex, but only six of those units are going to be deemed affordable. The rest will be sold at market rates. So some of the neighbors said, well, you know, we'd be open to a six-unit affordable complex by someone like Habitat for Humanity who's expressed interest in that parcel. Um, but it's just these other 18 market rate units that we think are really putting the So they're saying it's not affordable housing, which some people do have concerns about mm-hmm. when it comes into their neighborhood. It's more the density yes. that they're they're worried about. Um, another story uh, in today's paper, actually, uh, we had our reporter Tanner Stenning uh, head down to D.C. yesterday. He went down, I think, the, the night before to be there for uh, a march on uh, Capitol Hill. Uh, this was the Mashpee Wampanoag tribe who have been engaged in uh, a long-running uh, fight. Uh, it really is what it is to uh, secure their land, uh, both in Mashpee and in Taunton, where they had proposed a, a billion-dollar casino. That's where they ran into problems because the neighbors there sued. They won that lawsuit. Um, but the ramifications of that that winning that lawsuit were much bigger uh, than even just kind of this this fight. It had to do with whether or not you could basically take land away from a, a tribe that had been uh, given to it or, or put in trust by the federal government, by the Department of Interior in particular. So a lot of big ramifications for this. Uh, it sounded like this march was well attended by by uh, other tribe uh, tribes from across the country and Indian country, as, as Tanner points out, is really watching this closely. Um, and and you know, it's I was interested to see some of the video because you you could tell it seemed like some people there are so many marches on Washington uh, that that some people were, were almost in the middle of their commute as this march was going by. Um, but there were there were tribe members who were in uh, tribal uh, dress and and really making a point of of the fact that this was this their land uh, and the fact that it could be taken away. There is legislation, uh, and this is kind of why Washington is important. Uh, uh, that's being considered. Um, that has been proposed by uh, 
U.S. Representative William Keating, who represents our area, um, to basically secure that land to, to eliminate the possibility of a legal challenge. Um, but it really is this fight over this this casino in Taunton and the neighbors there who have who have brought this to a head. Other tribes say, though, and and uh, the Mashpee uh, tribe leaders say that this is, will have ramifications for more than a hundred tribes who kind of fall into the same category as the Wampanoag uh, tribe, and so they say this is this is bigger than just us. This is about whether or not that government can take away land that has been already put in trust uh, for a tribe. Uh, We'll continue to follow. Tanner's story is in today's paper and, and goes into some uh, detail in terms of the backstory here and, and, and then some of the comments from, from folks, including uh, Representative uh, Joe Kennedy, uh, the third, who said, you know, he, he, we're going we're gonna to pass this bill is what he was saying. He was saying, we're on your side and we're going to pass this bill. It's not a partisan issue. Uh, it does cross a lot of boundaries in terms of the interests uh, here. Um, and then looking uh, to a, another story here um, about the town of Barnstable, um, this is about uh, business districts in the town mm -hmm. of Barnstable. Um, and I didn't even know these districts existed. Did you? No, no. The different categories I found interesting. It's a highway business district, which is uh, a, a number of different locations. We had on uh, the front page of yesterday's paper kind of a map showing where these different uh, districts were. And the interesting thing is there are only a certain number, a couple really, uh, uses that are allowed in these districts. But when you look at what's there, it seems like there's all sorts of uses that are that are there, all sorts of uh, um, businesses that are there. And it seems like this move that's actually coming up tonight at the uh, Barnesville Town Council, it's a joint meeting between the Barnesville Town Council and the planning board, the Barnesville Planning Board. Uh, they're going to talk about expanding these districts for one thing and, and uh, covering a few more areas. Um, but they're also going to talk about adding a, a much longer list of uses that seems to almost be, in some ways, lining it up with what's already there, mm -hmm. uh, which is often the case. I think sometimes uh, people seek businesses, seek variances, and they get, you know, again, special permits or whatever is needed to put a business in. And then after a while, you know, town officials start to look at an area and they say, well, all this stuff is there already, but our, our, our laws or bylaws or whatever don't allow it. Uh, except by these special permits or variances. Let's break that and make it kind of more uh, akin to what's reality. Um, so that's what they're doing. Interesting enough, the vice uh, chair, vice president of the town council, Jim Crocker, uh, is uh, also the chairman of the subcommittee that kind of went through this. He also owns property in, in uh, some of these areas uh, that where the expansion would take place. And, and uh, you know, our reporter Jeff Splane asked him about that. And he said, I'm going to recuse myself from any votes on the uh, issue tonight. Uh, this is the second reading, which in, in Barnstable Town Council language means they can vote on it, essentially. Uh, he also said he recused himself from votes that took place at the subcommittee level. I, that was kind of interesting to me because he was chairman of the subcommittee. So mm -hmm. I, I guess how does how that works exactly? I'm just not perfectly clear on it. You're you're certainly uh, got to be part of the conversation there. Um, but there were some some concerns raised. Uh, generally speaking, I think people say this is going to be good. It's going to streamline things for businesses. Uh, but there were some concerns just raised about the long term uh, plan for these areas. Um, and a lot of them are out on uh, West Main Street, uh, Route 28, um, and, and in areas where, again, there's uh, along that corridor, there's a density of businesses already. So um, let's move on to the, the big story because this is going to take a while for you to explain, I, I would think. Um, there were a few stories this week uh, about a few things, uh, contracts for teachers and staff at Dennis Yarmouth, and then a discussion over uh, a new school, a new regional middle school 
end the larger discussion about the regional agreement between these two towns over their shared school district. So start in whatever order you want, Kristen, okay. and I'll, I'll leave it to you for a little right. bit. So um, it, it, it's a little over two months into the school year now, and um, teachers at, in the Dennis Yarmouth Regional District are still working without a new contract for this current school year. Um, I spoke with the Dennis Yarmouth Educators Association President Michelle Dunn. Um, she said that it's been sort of a challenging negotiation period. Um, you know, they, they both sides sort of declined to provide details about negotiations. It's not their policy to negotiate in public, but mm -hmm. but they're they're still at sort of a, a stalemate over um, what the contract will details will include this year. Um, they typically negotiate three year contracts, and it's for a category of employees that includes teachers, but it also covers social workers, guidance counselors, special educator educators, and people like uh, speech and language pathologists. Some some positions, which by the way, <laughs> seem to be coming more and more important within mm -hmm. schools and are positions that people look at and are starting to kind of understand the need for them a little bit more, uh, which is interesting that that's yeah. part of it as well. Yeah, the town came out in full, um, or I'm sorry, sorry, both towns came out in full when there were plans earlier in the year to possibly cut social workers from the district and yeah. uh, a lot of discussion about how important they are to, to the students. Um, but last month, so negotiations, negotiations have been ongoing since January, um, but last month the district required that the process go to mediation and that's sort of where it sits right now. Um, Dunn said that their side would have preferred to keep working without a mediator, but one side can petition for mediation, so that's that's where things are. And this is, the, again, the president, you may have said this before, the president of the uh, Teachers Association, yes, the yes. Educators Association. Mm -hmm. um, and, and really, it's just kind of another sign of the, the struggle that the district's had in recent years with their budget. It's continued to grow despite no new services being added, and Assistant Superintendent Kenneth Jenks has said that that's really because of the soaring cost of health insurance for employees. That's a main driver in that. Um, just looking at, you know, what DY teachers are paid compared to others in the state, uh, it's a little under $10,000 less than the state average, which is $78,000 a year approximately. DUI teachers are paid an average of around $69,000 a year. Um, and teachers have really been sort of showing their support for the negotiation team um, by wearing these green t-shirts that I guess 75 of them came out to a school committee meeting last month. They continue to wear these green t-shirts um, to school on Wednesdays just as sort of a quiet show of support for the negotiation team. Well, and it's interesting to see that ten, almost $10,000 differential. A lot of people, that's the first thing they say is, how much are these people getting paid? What are all these benefits they're getting? And again, the cost of healthcare is something that's difficult for districts and towns to control. Uh, it's, it's one of those that they have to deal with, though. And, and that's $10,000 is, is not nothing in terms of a difference in terms of them getting paid less than the state average. There's more in DY. What else is going on yes, there? So the, the big thing in DY now is um, whether or not this new regional middle school, which has been proposed on Station Avenue, will move ahead. There's an election on December 4th to give approval to this proposal for the school. Um, it's about 186,000 square feet. It would house 900 students in grades four through six from both towns. And designs for the school show um, that it's you know pretty state-of-the-art. It's got these classroom wings situated in the back, while the communal areas like the cafeteria and 
and the gym and the uh, auditorium are up front. And what officials say is that would allow the classroom wings to be closed off while other areas of the school could be open to the public for things like town meeting or voting or Elections, other things yeah, that you know, the town might want to use the building for. It's also designed to take maximum advantage of natural light. It's situated in sort of a north-south position so that classrooms will get natural light. They'll, it'll, it's expected to reduce heating and cooling costs and electrical costs. Um, a lot of thought went into this building. It's, it's been in sort of this two-year process to get the plans to where they are now. So a modern school... <clears throat> We're saying that Mattakey's Middle School isn't a modern yes. school. There's been a lot of problems with that school. Yes, right? it would replace Mattakey's Middle School in West Yarmouth and also the Nathaniel H. Wixon Innovation School in South Dennis. Both of those schools, but I think particularly Mattakey's, have been described as, um, I think one official described them at one point as crumbling. They've had mm -hmm. a lot of infrastructure problems. I know um, Wixon has an asbestos abatement issue that they would need to tackle if they were going to renovate that school. It's not a problem now as it is, but if they were to start going in and doing renovations, so that would be something they'd have to deal with. Um, so, so with this election coming up, uh, Yarmouth officials wanted to have their own um, series of meetings. The, the school committees already had a couple meetings that allowed people to tour each of those existing Mattakees and Wixon schools mm -hmm. and present informations about information about the new school. Yarmouth said they wanted to have their own meetings, um, both to sort of increase, hopefully, participation. Those school committee forums were sort of poorly attended, mm -hmm. um, but also to talk about the tax implications um, of the project in Yarmouth and also the status of the regional agreement discussions with their partner town of Dennis. Um, and what Selectman Norman Holcomb said at the first of that series of meetings, which took place on Tuesday, um, is that this regional agreement, which has been sort of under contention for years. Yarmouth officials have continually maintained that it's unfair, that it, it shifts too much of the funding burden to Yarmouth, but at the same time, they were sort of the ones who pushed for the adoption of a certain formula that, that has helped create that situation, and mm. that was adopted in 2006. Um, but but there's been sort of a, a lack of willingness, I guess, between the towns or, or agreement on seeing eye to eye on what should be changed. Some of the things Yarmouth has proposed have received pushback from Dennis. Um, and what Selectman Holcomb said was that he just sort of likened the whole thing to a pyramid, and he said that the regional agreement is really like the base of that pyramid, and that this $117 million school, which is what the estimate is for the cost of that building, would be at the top, and that it's not wise to build, you know, place this, this huge school the at the top of the you. school unless the foundation is in good yeah, order. Sure. Um, well, some of the things that, that uh, selectmen are sort of going back and forth on is are the funding mechanisms for the school. Um, under the current regional agreement, it, capital projects are assessed based on the number of students that each town sends to DY. It doesn't account, however, for students who live in either town but go to school choice, school, public schools elsewhere, or charter mm -hmm. schools elsewhere, and the district is financially responsible for both categories of students. Um, Yarmouth, I'm sorry, Dennis officials a month or last month voted to support changing the way that's counted to reflect foundation enrollment, which is is counting those choice and charter students, yep. and actually gives a slight uptick to what Dennis would pay. Yep. But Yarmouth has said sort of, well, that's not really enough. They want to see a 60-40 split with Yarmouth paying 60% and Dennis paying 40%. I think under the current agreement, it would be something like Dennis's 31.8% and Yarmouth would cover um, between 67 and 68%. So, But changing on. that, what you just said, changed that slightly, right? It yeah, so under 34, yes. 35% for yeah. Dennis. 
Um, but it would still, any changes would still have to be approved by town meetings. So sort of whatever the towns are talking about now in terms of how they're changing would really be a handshake agreement until mm -hmm. town meeting voters actually approve that. Um, as, a, as it stands, the assessment um, that would go to Yarmouth would be about 48.6 million compared to about 24.1 million for the town of Dennis in terms of paying for the new school. Um, and it's important to note that this this project, it's it's going to cost about 117 million, but it's eligible to receive reimbursement from the state at about 44 million dollars. Uh, so that's a lot of money. Mm -hmm. uh, Yarmouth has talked about, you know, wanting to look instead at building their own schools. They they admit that, you know, they know that Mattakees has to be replaced. They said conditions at Marguerite East Small Elementary in Yarmouth are also poor and that school will have to be replaced. So they said they want to take a look at maybe building a K through seven school for Yarmouth only students in Yarmouth. Um, but if they do that, they would, and if they don't, you know, voters don't approve this at uh, on December fourth, that forty four million in state funding would go out the window. Um, and, that would, and, but they could apply for state funding. They just have to go to the back of the line. Yes, they could in this apply process. again. Yeah. It's the, the line can take years to get through. I was speaking with Yarmouth's town administrator Daniel Knapik, and he said it can take years, and there's no guarantee that the state uh, will agree to fund either project if the towns choose to. Well, go and I, I think the state does look more favorably on regionalization mm -hmm. and. And may look more favorably on a project like this than they do on a single town project mm -hmm. in some respects. So that's a uh, maybe a, a chance that Yarmouth would be taking. Certainly, again, the money here that's sitting on the table would go out the window. But as you said, it comes back to town meeting in in all these cases anyway. So it was interesting that they held these meetings and the Yarmouth selectmen. Uh, didn't necessarily come out and say you should vote against this, mm -hmm. but they held meetings that talked about the tax implications and brought up the regional agreement versus kind of meetings that were just talking about the school project itself. Certainly the tax implications are part of that. And several of them voiced their own opinion yes. that they would not really support it themselves. Yes, you're right. So three of the selectmen, they, they came out first and they said that, you know, we're here to present the information, which they did up front. You know, they talked about the school and its costs and what it includes. Um, and they said voters should make their own decisions. But then three of them did say they voiced, voiced personal opinions against moving forward with the school, saying that they personally don't think it's the right thing to do for Yarmouth um, to, to enter into this new sort of deepened, uh, expanded agreement with Dennis, um, given the way things currently stand. Yeah. They said the town also has a number of major capital projects on the horizon. They've got a DPW building that could cost up to $20 million. They know they have to tackle that Marguerite East Small building sometime soon. They've also got the first phase of a wastewater system wastewater coming up. Again, yeah. um, and also a, a, a commitment to uh, help pay for the Cape Tech new new high school. So it's a lot coming down the pipeline for, for taxpayers in Yarmouth. And I think the town is really kind of looking at what's the best way uh, for us to do this. You've got that coming and you've got a town that, again, for years and years has struggled with this uh, regional agreement and paying for their share of the regional agreement uh, of, the, of the schools with Dennis, having to go back to voters again and again for two and a half overrides. $500,000 one year, you know, uh, several years, I think it was $500,000. So you can sense, and they often will vote it down. There's, it's been a, to a district-wide meeting to just approve the operations budget, forgetting like capital projects or anything like that. So it certainly is something that uh, I don't think Yarmouth uh, voters have much of an appetite for spending more money uh, at this point. Um, anything else about that? Again, there's plenty in the stories that you wrote. I, I think it's also important to point out that um, Dennis Selectman have said, you know, we're, we're willing to 
still come to the table and rehash this regional agreement. They did, um, you know, vote to make that change in funding to foundational enrollment for the school costs. They said they'd also be open to using that for operational costs for the entire district. Um, and they said they are willing to consider some sharing some administrative supplies that aren't related to enrollment mm -hmm. on the operating side of things 50-50. Yarmouth officials sort of questioned at the meeting whether or not um, Dennis has a sincere interest in, in changing the agreement and, and uh, you know, in terms of the proposal that Yarmouth has put forward. Once you get your school vote, will you come back to the table and mm -hmm. continue to work on these bigger issues, I think was their question. So a lot of uh, good information in the stories uh, you wrote on that, and I encourage everybody to go read those um, about the Dennis Yarmouth Regional School debate. Um, uh, in a, a story coming up here, uh, probably in Saturday's paper, is uh, Marianne Bragg, reporter Marianne Bragg, taking a look back at the uh, shellfish industry in Wellfleet, which had had uh, a couple of issues over the last uh, uh, number of years, back going back to 2012, I think, and, and uh, in particular with uh, Vibrio and norovirus. And, and she's, I think, did a story last year kind of talking about kind of how it had come back and they had taken a lot of action to address that. Going back and looking at it this year, it's, it's as far as I'm concerned, getting to be time for oysters when the weather gets mm -hmm. uh, a little chillier because I don't necessarily encourage people eating oysters in the dead of summer. Uh, and there are reasons for that that have to do with health. But but uh, they, they are something that a lot of people love. Um, and and the, the town of Wellfleet and the shell fishermen out there have really been uh, trying to address a lot of those issues, it sounds like. And we'll have more on that in Marianne's uh, story. And, and there has been a, a downtick in the number of uh, certainly cases uh, of uh, Vibrio in particular that have been popping up. Uh, so look forward to that story. Um, thank Thanks a lot for, for joining us. You can tell your friends uh, and share the link to, to our uh, CapeCutTimes.com slash uh, CCT live um, and check us out again on all our social media. Thanks a lot. Uh, we're where news starts on Cape Cod. Until next time, good morning, good luck. Thank you very much, Kristen, and stay warm. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.